You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What's up, guys? It's the Nosebleed Seats. We're back for Season 2 on Arrowhead Live. It's your boy, Jordan Anderson. With me, as always, my guy, Marcus Baker. Happy to be back for Season 2. I'm sorry it's been a while. Still mourning a little bit over that Super Bowl loss. Been busy with our own personal lives going on. But we are back. We're ready to go. Hope you guys are ready. We got a lot coming for you. Marcus, how does it feel to be back? Excited to be back. Uh, like you said, a lot of things going on. More than the Super Bowl loss for sure. Made it hard to get back into the uh, the normal swing of things, but just an exciting little break. We got to witness some good things in our personal lives. My little sister got married. Um, I've been planning a wedding. I know you've had a lot of positive things on your end as well, and just I think we both needed a refresher, so it was nice to get that, but looking forward to being back and rolling into Season 2 with Arrowhead Live here on the Nosebleed Seats. I'm ready to talk some football. I know you're ready to talk some football. Let's go ahead and get into it. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are kind of you know in between on some things right now, especially with our latest news we have with Frank Clark getting arrested on an alleged felony possession of an illegal firearm in Los Angeles. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. We're also going to talk about some Chiefs signings. Uh, they let Martinez Rankin go, signing Darius Shepard. We're going to talk about what we're getting in that signing, if anything at all. Uh, we're going to give you guys three of our cut candidates who could be cut here soon, might be training camp, but some guys that might save us some money. And then lastly, if we have time, we're going to talk about the Chiefs' biggest impact, free agent additions here in 2021. So, Marcus, let's go ahead and get started with this Frank Clark news. TMZ released that, uh, let's see, how long ago was that? Just a few days ago, I want to say. Um, I believe it was day before yesterday. Yeah. yeah, it was day before yesterday. It was Monday. Um, and, you know, they reported that he was arrested, uh, had an Uzi in his Lambo SUV, and they found it inside of a bag. Now, I'm going to sound off here for a minute just with my personal opinion. Why the hell do you have a gun in Los Angeles just cruising down the damn street in a bag? I know he said it's his bodyguards or his lawyer said it's his bodyguards. Still, man, you got to be smarter than that. Because from a team standpoint here, now with the Chiefs, if there's anywhere in your contract about behavioral you know, adjustments or anything like that, any justification like that, the Chiefs are going to get off cutting you with no penalty. They're not going to have to pay you squat. Because I guarantee you, after your previous incident with your domestic abuse, there is going to be some behavioral clause in your contract that allows the Chiefs to get out of that. And I'm all for it. You know, as a fan of the game, and if it if it helps us in re-signing Tyron Matthew later down the road, I'm all for it. But you have to be smarter than that, man. I know you came from a rough upbringing. I get that. But you have got to be smarter than that. I, I just don't get it. It's, it seems like every offseason now, the Chiefs are starting to become, you know, like a degrading factor in the NFL media outlet. You know, we had the Tyree kill with his son deal. 
we had or now we have Frank Clark with this deal. I just Kareem. Kareem, yeah, Kareem was another one, a great example. Something has to give at some point. I know Andy Reid is big on second chance guys and giving them second chances. But at some point, you have got to draw the line there. Frank Clark, you have to be smarter than that. It's just it's ridiculous. I know he said it's not his. Then don't let the don't I mean, don't let them get that in your car. I know if it's licensed, I hope. But an Uzi, of all things, I think a security guard would be carrying around a pistol. Not some Uzi. Yeah, it's it's worrisome. And I think the thing that's the biggest issue that we found out, I think late into Monday, maybe even early Tuesday, um, he, it's not the only uh, weapons charge that he's received in the last few months. Right now, he's still in processing of a weapons charge that he'd been, well, not a charge, but an accusation, basically, because there hasn't been charges filed. But I think he got arrested back in March, I think, of this year, of 2021, for a firearm violation as well. And now I don't know if that's just depending on what the weapon was, similar to this situation. I think this is more or less illegal because of the type of gun. But it may also be because he may be out on bail from the previous um, potential crime related to the firearms. So if you're already coming off of one of those and it kind of slid under the radar, why would you put yourself in that situation a second time? And like you said, yes, we understand you grew up tough, and I know you try to go down and make a change. You go down to Skid Row where you grew up and you try to help people. I totally understand having protection because those people, I mean, there's people probably still on Skid Row that were around when Frank was a kid. They know who he is. They know he's rich. They know he succeeded. He is a target in that area. I totally understand that. But you have to do it right. You have to do it smart. You need to have a security detail. Come on, man. You have the highest cap hit of a non-quarterback in the entire league. You can't tell me you can't hire a permanent security staff when you're in Los Angeles. I just don't believe it. I think the risk is unwarranted. I think it's idiotic. And especially coming off of a recent weapons charge as well, or weapons uh, – allegation why put yourself in that position especially considering the fact your cap hits ridiculously high your production does not match what your money looks like on the the spreadsheet for the cap hits and just just for a second i and this isn't just about frank clark either this is about the entire nfl I, i just want to talk about this for a second because it seems like these guys are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to entertain right why go and do something stupid like that, or even put yourself in that stupid situation. You don't even have to be the one doing it, but to be around it and be associated with it, you're making millions of dollars. And Frank Clark, you're making 104 million over five years. That's not including bonuses. That's just your salary. Like you said, it's the highest guaranteed contract. Um, it's not necessarily guaranteed, I guess, but non-quarterback contract in the NFL right now. Production hasn't been there. We're not, and this isn't even about his play right now. This is about him being responsible. Or it's immature. Dwayne Bowe did the same shit back when he was here, smoking weed and asking to go to Sonic in a, the back of a cop car. Uh, drugs right. are a different thing, or weed is a different thing. I get that, but you have to be smarter, man. I don't want to say much more on it, but use your damn brain. 
That's it just all comes I'm down. Say. It's just breaking the rules, like the bow thing. That's all it is. It don't matter what the what the charge is. These guys know what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, and a lot of them understand the opportunity they've been given, and they just negligently throw it to the side. I mean, we talked about it. Kareem, um, Brashad Breeland last year in the off season with the incident at the gas station with the resisting arrest. Frank this off season. Tyreek's allegations. It's just like, and Tyreek's, of course, the truth came out and he was honest with the organization and everything went the way it should have because somebody was money chasing and he was honest and the truth came out. But like the Kareem thing, I'm hoping Frank learned a lot from what happened to Kareem Hunt and he's going to be open, honest and communicate well with the organization so they can get this figured out. I'm worried they're not going to be able to plead it down to a mis- or yeah to a misdemeanor from a felony charge because he's already on a gun charge trial or what have you. So it could be a slap on the wrist. I mean, money talks. We know the man has money. I hope and pray that this on the back end teaches his, him something because he really had seemed like he had changed a little bit as a person coming off of his domestic violence issues early in his career. And I think this is just idiotic on his part and i think in the future he'll use his brain a little bit more i would at least hope he doesn't seem like a dumb guy he seems like a guy that values intellect and trying to better himself but hopefully it's, it's just, just a dumb mistake and you know fix it yeah. get back keep your damn head on straight yeah but for sure I, let's move on I from, from frank i <laughs> It's too much. Like, we could talk a whole episode just about Frank Clark. I get, you know. And the thing that's annoying. It's annoying, to, honestly. Bef- but b- Before we switch, the schematics of what that could do to us on the field. Not having him on the field, yes, he hasn't been productive to what the money says. But he is our best defensive end. That's, I mean, that's not arguable. The threat of him at peak play is threatening to a defense it makes a difference in the schematics of the game and the way that the defense can function. So not only is he hurting himself, he's hurting his teammates and the Chiefs' chances. And this schedule isn't weak. Those first few weeks is a gauntlet. You look at what we have in the first five weeks, those are some of our hardest games. If he ends up getting a suspension on this, we may drop a game or two of those because Taco can't hold the edge like Frank can. Or Mike Dana can't stun inside at the same clip and be as effective. I'm just disappointed because I was really excited for what the defensive line could look like with Chris Jones on the edge, Frank on the opposite side with Reed and Naughty in the middle or Reed and Wharton or whatever you want to do, depending on the down. So the incident just makes it a little frustrating, and I hope suspensions aren't going to come. But in the same breath, I kind of feel like maybe he needs it to learn from it. All right. We got to move on from it. It's becoming a Ben, uh, ben Neiman segment Neiman, at this Yeah, point. that's my th- – it's just frustrating, but yeah, that's my two it cents, is. but go ahead. Chiefs are signing Darius Shepard, formerly of the Green Bay Packers, formerly a Blue Valley. Uh, North. Uh, yeah, Blue Valley North. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, agreed. Anyway, Blue Valley <laughs> North, coming back home. Uh, tried out in minicamp. The Chiefs signed him, going to give him another look in training camp as well. Hasn't really played much. He... Other than on special teams, he was a kick returner for them. Uh, you know, went to North Dakota State, played good there. Uh, went undrafted, actually, but only played in 14 games for the Packers over the last two years. Only five catches for 46 yards. But like I said, he returned 20 kickoffs, 375 yards, um, and a few punts as well. 
But obviously the Chiefs might see something in him, might be a special teams contributor. I know we have a lot of those, so I honestly I honestly see this as a tough shot to make the team. But they did cut Martinez Rankin in the process to make room for him. Um, how do you feel about that? Because Rankin provided some good depth for us down the stretch last year. Um, and there was times where he was good, and there's times where he was absolutely terrible. So there really was no in-between. But how how do you feel about this? Do you feel like he's got a shot? or I think Shepard has a shot. Um, from what we've seen, that fifth and sixth receiver spot in this offense, it usually goes to a special teamer, whether it be a guy like Garrick Dieter, Marcus Kemp. Uh, we know Pringle made his living and got to the position he's in excuse me, because of his special teams ability. You got to remember Antonio Callaway also. Yeah. I mean, there's work there to be done for him, but I think it's possible. I mean, we know what Dave Tobe thinks of Marcus Kemp. He's infatuated with Marcus Kemp, and Marcus Kemp is frustrating to me. I don't care if he's on the team <laughs> on the team or not. Agree. Yeah, Shepard, I think, would be an upgrade from Kemp. And I it's think like when you're more. doing those multiple choice questions and it's like, do you strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, That's or a, strongly disagree? I'm on the strongly agree on that one. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a fan of Marcus Kemp. But I never have been. Because we'll get, we'll get to chatting all about it again. But yeah, And I think Garrett Dieter is also a guy that's days are numbered. I mean, I think his friendship with Pat really helped him to stay as long as he has. I just don't see any upside. I think Shepard has receiver upside, similar to what we saw with Pringle early on, and immediate special teams contribution. So I think he has a shot to be that sixth guy. It's probably largely going to depend on what ends up happening with Demarcus Robinson and the guy like Antonio Callaway, like you said, or a Kemp. Um, for my money, I think Robinson's days should be numbered, especially if we see an increase in Powell's production, the rookie. Um I just I don't see Robinson as anything that's going to help this team. The only thing that makes me worry is we've seen in the Andy Reid era they like people that are experienced and understand the system at the receiver position. So I wouldn't be shocked if Robinson makes the roster, but I wouldn't be unhappy if he doesn't because at the end of the day I don't think he provides anything. We know who he is. We don't know what a guy like Darius Shepard's capable of given opportunity or Byron Pringle given more snaps than he's ever had. So. Um, I think Shepard, to answer your question, has a shot at the roster. The Rankin thing, that's interesting to me because he provided depth. I always thought he was best suited as a guard, but he kind of reminds me of like the Brett Veach, Cam Irving experiment, trying to turn a yep. guy into a tackle that I wasn't necessarily that. a tackle. And this just says to me that the team has a lot more faith in Yasir Durant than I do at this point because in, cam or in mini camp and OTAs, Rankin was taking the backup left tackle snaps. So for them to let a guy walk like that for, I mean, a measly a million dollars in savings, I think that they're comfortable with Yasir as the backup. And we don't know. Lucas Niang may have positional flexibility. I don't really want to see Rimmers over there because of the way the Super Bowl went. If, knock on wood, anything was to happen to uh, Orlando Brown. But it just shows me that they have confidence in Brown's ability to stay healthy and Confidence in Yusir Durant to step up if need be. It's disappointing because it's depth, and a lot of us, including you and I, we had we had high hopes for Rankin at one point, and it was just kind of like 
all kind of like Parker Unger or whatever that we traded for Traverius Ward. Yeah, it was Dallas, just like, yep. oh, the the potential's there, potential's there, and then it just never came to pass. So I'm not upset with it. I think the time had come and it ran its course, and we have so much depth at the offensive line position. Finally. Yes. Good depth, like not. Yeah, we have, I mean, they're three or four deep on the interior, both guard positions in my opinion, and some of the guys that are in that third or fourth spot have trade value. So we're in a good position. I think maybe we can upgrade a spot like corner potentially or bring in another, uh, I don't even know. We could probably use, no, because we're good on safeties. Even a linebacker body, I think maybe there's some trade value in guys like Allegretti and Andrew Wiley. I wouldn't trade for him if I was a GM, but we know how this league is. Snaps, having snaps on your on your stat sheet and tape that teams can look at is valuable. So both those guys do have some snaps played in the game, and I just don't see a place for him on the roster. So it will be interesting to see, but I really think that depth is what led uh, to Rankin being on the outside looking in, basically. Saved us around a million dollars doing that move uh, and cutting Rankin. Let's talk about some of the other guys that we might be able to cut and get a little more wiggle room, uh, you know, with a Tyron Matthew extension possibly looming, hopefully looming. But Andrew Wiley's one of those guys. Uh, could save us two mil if we uh, do that, or 2.1 around there somewhere. I'd love to see Andrew Wiley gone. I really would. Uh, like you said, I feel like we have enough depth there at the interior position. Um I th- I think he absolutely needs to go. Why they even considered bringing him back, I have no idea. But he's terrible, and he needs to go, in my opinion. Uh, Armani Watts is another at safety. Hasn't really played much. Hasn't blossomed into what he was coming out of the draft as uh, a known ball hawk and a speed guy and a hard hitter. Uh, he's done none of those things. I feel like he's made a few bonehead plays, uh, getting burnt over the top. I think... In the no, it wasn't the Jets game. There was a game last year, and I can't. I you know I had it wrote down, and now I can't find it. But he got <laughs> absolutely toasted over the top by some like four string receiver. And yep. after that, I I feel like I lost all faith in Armani Watts. Dorian O'Daniel th- is another guy. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I'll let you run through him here. No, you're good. You're good. Keep I, going. After I get all these guys, Dorian O'Daniel could save us about three million. This is a guy I had a high hopes for. A little undersized for the linebacker position, but he was a team captain at Clemson. I was really excited to see what he could do. He's fast, and he's, his pursuit angles are good. Uh, good tackler, willing tackler, but just can't seem to get on the field. I'm not sure if it's a size thing, because you cannot tell me. Uh, no. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not even going to say his name. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just going to skip that one. Yeah, but the guy wearing Derek Johnson's say, number. Yeah, I'm just I'm going to skip it. But, honestly, I think he's going to play elsewhere. Um, if not, he's going to be the next Darren Lee. And that's not playing much. So, yeah. um, what what do you feel about those guys? Like, who of those three would you maybe consider keeping over the other two? To be honest with you, I think it'd be Wiley. I don't like him. Ew. But in this league, uh, positional versatility... He's played snaps. He's been good at times at guard, at times. He had one good season um, at where he played a little bit above average. So it's in there. It's just can he do it consistently. He's a terrible tackle. I don't want him to ever play tackle. But I think as a second or third string guard, I wouldn't hate it. Like I said, I think he has trade value. So that's a guy I'd also consider keeping to see if you can 
get a piece for somebody that you're probably ultimately going to let walk anyways or get rid of just for the money that's available to be saved. And then with Watts, I think Will Parks is going to replace him. I just – Will Parks, he made plays and times I completely in forgot about Will Parks. Yeah, and see, in Philly, he was in Philly for one year. I think he's from Philly originally. He got hurt, I'm pretty sure, and was banged up for most of the season. But back in Denver, he was he was a capable third or fourth safety, and I think he provides a little bit of special teams as well. I just I think the upside's higher with Will Parks. So I do expect Armani Watts to be out the door, recoup that one million dollars, and just kind of move on. It's just a failed experiment. He had the ball skills coming out of Texas A&M. I was excited. I thought he had a lot of potential. It just out of this class, and I think. Watts and O'Daniel are from the same class, aren't they? Is that the Speaks yes. class? Yes, they are. Yep. Yeah, and that's just, it was Brett's first draft. He got the job literally just a few months. Or no, I guess, no, that he got it after the draft of 2017. So the 2018 draft, it was just a little rough. I think he was still finding his way, getting his footing, and figuring out how he wanted to do things, opposed to how John did them. And he missed on a lot of those guys. And that's that's really the only negative people have on Brett Veach is that 2018 draft was pretty rough. Speaks was awful. Tano just never became what we hoped. Uh, Derek Naughty was a good pick. And yes, then you, you got O'Daniel who just never... The thing with O'Daniel is when he came out, he was either going to be a hybrid superstar or he was going to be a tweener that never played. And unfortunately, we're on the tweener side to where his size is just... It's made him almost unplayable for the way that Spags likes to run the game and play the system. I think it's dumb because from a coverage standpoint, he's a lead in comparison to 56. But I think it's schematic and maybe even mental for O'Daniel. I don't know if he's ever been able to fully grasp and understand the system and play with instincts. So, and that was what his thing was at Clemson. He was an instinctual player that relied on athleticism. Well, the athleticism's there, so I feel like the system just makes him to where he can't play instinctually, so it makes him invaluable. And it's pretty much the tail of the tape. And saving $3 million to get rid of him, I feel like it's just a no-brainer. The only way I see him staying is because we don't have an abundance of depth at linebacker. But I feel like it does look better than it did last year with the addition of Bolton. And hopefully by mid-season we see Bolton in as the third, third guy in the base package and 56 on the bench where he belongs. But, yeah, for the most part, I think Wiley's probably the guy that could be the most likely to stay. He's got trade value, and I do see Watson and Daniel out the door by training camp. End. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm right there with you. I think they're, they're all three. I think all three are going to be gone, to be honest. But, yeah. you know, remains to be seen. We will be at training camp. Uh, not sure on the date yet, but we'll be there. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of our Arrowhead Live guys are going as well, so – Hopefully meet up with all of them. But one more thing on our agenda here, talking about the Chiefs free agent additions. You know, we haven't really talked um, about our opinion on some of these guys. I know a lot of the Arrowhead Live podcast teams have covered those guys. Um, you know, I'm just going to start with my favorite signing, and it's not going to be who you think it is. It's actually going to be Jaron Reed from Seattle. This guy has been an absolute beast ever since he came into the league. I think he's going to take over Chris Jones' role, and he's going to thrive in it because Chris Jones is being moved out to defensive end. Nobody's heard that news. Breaking. Ding, ding. He's moving out to D end. Not sure if he's going to stay there or if he's going to be interchangeable, but Jaron Reed, I don't think people realize how 
big that signing is. That dude is a freak, and he is a stud. Hopefully, his buddy Frank Clark is over there, uh, just a few, you know, just a few uh, spots away. But I am really excited about this Jaron Reed signing. I don't know how you feel about it, but I am, I am looking forward to seeing him out there. I love it. I think it was the steal of our free agency. I really do. And it's look, not being talked about enough. It's really I, not. I agree because what it did was you just put Chris Jones to where he can hit you from anywhere. And Chris can rush from either side of the ball. So they could even kick him to Frank's side if Frank's not playing, barring a suspension. Or they could – Frank has the functional power to rush from the interior if he had to, I think. Um, well, he did. We haven't seen that recently, but I think it's health-bearing. But with Chris, yeah – and that's the big thing. It opens Chris up in a way that he's never been able to. And you're going to get consistency. Jaron Reed, the biggest thing when you watch his tape, he is good. He's not a physically imposing guy. He has flashes, but he's not dominant down and in and down out like a guy like Chris Jones is and like a bull rush, but he's consistent. The thing about Jaron Reed, he'll give you the same snap against one of the best guards in the game as he would against somebody that's average. Like, he's very consistent in terms of every snap looks the same, whether he's playing a superstar pro bowler or if he's playing an average guy. He's consistent and does the same things almost every snap. So I think that's a big deal. And like you brought up, being next to Frank Clark, they both thrived at an elite rate in a way they never have at that point when they were playing next to each other, I believe, in 2018. Maybe 2017. Frank's last year in Seattle. I believe it was 2018. But, yeah, no, I really think that addition is going to completely unlock things for the defensive line as a whole because you slide Reed into the interior, snap in and snap out. Jones is on the outside. You've got Frank Clark on the other side. Early downs, Derek Nottie's in the other uh, defensive tackle position. And then you rotate Treshawn Wharton in on the interior for rushing downs and then rotate Frank and Taco or Chris and Taco out on the edge. This defensive line can be disgusting, and I think Jaron Reed's going to be the piece that changes everything and takes it to a whole new level. So very excited about that to, to answer your question. For sure. Uh, you, do you want to go ahead I, and hit the next I one? I am completely on board with Jaron Reed. Like I said, he's my favorite He's my favorite free agent signing that we have. So I think we cut out. Oh, we did? Nope, we're good. Okay, we're on board. Okay. Sorry. It was a little choppy there, but you know we'll, we'll get the hang of it. But another guy, uh, you know, most expensive lineman uh, signing for agency is Joe Tooney, guard from the Patriots. Absolute technician at the guard position. Super happy about that signing. We're not going to talk about Orlando Brown because that's a draft pick technically. Um, But our left side of the line is going to be filthy. Absolutely filthy. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the happiest man on the planet because I think he's absolutely going to go off this year. Uh, I think we're going to run the ball a lot more than people are thinking we are. But I am ecstatic about the Joe Tooney signing as well. Our entire free agent class I'm happy with. I really am. Um, You know, Kyle Long's on our list here too. Uh, Currently injured. They're hoping to have him back uh, by regular season week one. Not sure how that's going to work. I know he was taking first team reps uh, before LDT got back from Canada. Not sure how that's going to unfold if he's just going to be a depth guy or if he's going to slide in when he's fully healthy again. But I'm really happy with the signings. 
We completely revamped our offensive line. Brett Veach saw what happened in the Super Bowl and said, absolutely not, never again. Got Patrick Mahomes, his protectors. Orlando Brown said he's not going to let anyone touch Pat Mahomes. Absolutely happy to hear that. I think I think we have the right tools in place to run it back and this time win it again. I'm not sure if we're going to play Tampa because the NFC is pretty damn strong, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm happy with this class. Uh, not much more I can say on it. Whatever you got to add, uh, you know, just run it, and then uh, we'll get off here and let the folks go. All righty. Um, with Tooney, like you said, favorite, that's probably my favorite signing. I know you hit on Jaron Reed. I think Jaron Reed's the steal of our class. But that Tooney signing, you're getting a technician. You're getting consistency. He's versatile. He can anchor down and hold some of the best defensive tackles. He held, he even held his own against Aaron Donald. And True. Th- there's not very many men, if hardly any, in this entire world that can stand toe-to-toe with Aaron Donald and not get obliterated. So that's very exciting. Like I said, technician. And Andy Heck, that's what he loves. He loves a technical offensive lineman that's going to do the same thing, that's going to be fundamental, that's going to be reliable, consistent, healthy. I mean, when you say those words and when you're talking about the elite guards in this league, Joe Tooney's your guy. Yes, there are people that may be a little bit more talented, guy like Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin, but the the health, the consistency, it's not the same, especially with Zach Martin. He's injured literally every year. So getting a guy like that to put next to your bookend left tackle in Orlando Brown Jr. for years to come, they're both scheme versatile. I think Brown will be better in space than people give him credit for. And I don't know. I think the Chiefs are going to surprise people. I think there's going to be more uh, power concepts and gap concepts in this offense than we've ever seen in an Andy Reid scheme because they built this line to be able to hit for power and move some people in short yardage. And that's been the biggest Achilles heel of this run game in recent years, really in the Andy Reid era, is the fact that – short yardage, for sure. Yeah, yeah, short yardage, we couldn't get a push. I mean, we're running screen passes in the Cleveland game to get a one-yard gain to seal the game because we can't get a push at all up front. And I don't think that'll be a problem this year. I mean, you look at, like I said, Brown on the far left tackle, left guard you got Tooney. Creed Humphrey seems to be solidifying himself as the starting day one center. Um, we, Like you said, right guard's still up in the air. And the other guy you talked about, Kyle Long. I think if we can get Pro Bowl caliber Kyle Long from a health standpoint back, he's the guy. But I really, really want to see Trey Smith. I think the physicality's there. I think the schematic knowledge is there. I think he understands how to play the position. The biggest thing for him is he's going to have to learn how to develop his footwork to be able to run the zone con- concepts. And me. if if the media speaks true on Trey Smith, he's going to be your starter week one because Kansas City media, uh, anything they've heard from the Chiefs camp or anything like that is that the Chiefs feel like they hit a home run with Trey Smith, that he's been an absolute steal of the draft. He's been a draft diamond. They think he is going to be an absolute star, and I am 100% on board with that. At right guard. If he starts day one, I'm I'm okay starting uh, two rookies on the line. I really am. And Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think I think it's the best option right now because 
LDT in 2019 was very rough. He had yes. a good playoff. He didn't play bad in the playoff run in 2019, but his regular season was very choppy. He hasn't played in a year. I mean, we know we've seen him in the frozen tundra Quebec lifting weights, but at the end of the day, that's not football. And missing a year, I think it's going to be very hard on him at his age with his injury history and the subpar play the last few years. I just The upside's so high with Trey Smith. If he can get in there and do a good job and the footwork's ready, like I said, that's the one thing he's going to have to improve is his foot speed and the, the efficiency of his feet to be able to run the zone concepts. If he can be at that point by week one, it makes no sense not to start him because we've seen Kyle Long has injury issues. I think he'd be an elite backup, an elite backup. And Kyle Long would even be an option at right tackle, I think, if Trey if Smith Niang's plays. Not ready to get, or Niang is not ready to go. Yeah. I just – the more and more I sit here, I think Niang's not ready. And I don't want to rush him because well, I think I he's got all the tools to do the job. It's just he may not be ready. And that opt-out season really can make a difference. I think Rimmers is a guy that can step in and be a solid – league average right tackle and with Pat's movement ability I think that's all we need considering everything else on the line but I just don't see Andy playing three rookies and I think Trey Smith right now is on the inside track to be that starter at right guard so right at the end of the day Rimmers from right to left Rimmers Trey Smith Creed Humphrey Joe Tooney Orlando Brown we're looking at a whole new Chiefs offense this league better be scared because we can run the ball now we, our running back can show what he can do and turn the runs that should have been two-yard gains that he turned into seven-yard gains into 30-yard gains. So that's very exciting. And teams last year dared us to run the ball, and we couldn't do it. I don't think that'll be the case this year. And that's pretty scary if you're a defensive coordinator of any other of the 31 teams in this league because if you have to put resources to stop the run for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's pretty much over. With 15 under center, you're done. Excited for it. Excited to see what happens here. In just a few weeks, we will have training camp coming up. Our next episode here on the Nosebleed Seats is going to be all about training camp, all the need-to-knows, all the training camp battles that you're going to want to watch out for, all of that coming to you guys next week here on the Nosebleed Seats on the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. You're not going to want to miss that one. It has been a pleasure to be back on the microphone talking to you guys, talking with you, Marcus. Glad to have you back. We are blessed to be in this position back on Arrowhead Live for Season 2. Like I said, it's been a fun ride so far. We're ready to keep this thing going. Let's get some wins. Let's run this thing back. Let's win it this time. Sorry, I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. Anyway, also our other show, the KC Tailgaters Show. We have some huge news coming. You are not going to want to miss out on that. You're going to want to jump on the train now, I'm telling you. Because it is some big stuff coming. Uh, you know, we'll do some announcements here next week. Uh, we have a new show coming out here in just a few days on the KC Tailgater Show. So be on the lookout for that. Always be on at shoparrowheadlive.com. Training camp coming up. If you're wanting to get your stuff signed, what better place to go look for a shirt than Arrowhead Live? Great prices, great product. Their designs are sick. I know our team does a great job doing those. But, Marcus, you got anything to add before we get out of here? I just kind of want to hit on what you said. Uh, long hiatus for us. I mean, we're, we're going clear back to February since we've been on our mics for Arrowhead Live. It's been tough. At, the people that know us personally know this is what we love. This is our passion. We love talking football. We love our Kansas City Chiefs and just football in general. And it's an exciting time. We're looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. Season 2, 
here at the Nosebleed Seats. Just, like you said, stacking wins. Hopefully going to take the trophy back that was rightfully ours. Just exciting time for us. Exciting time for the Casey Tailgater Show. Really looking forward to the uh, the news that we're going to be bringing here in the next week or so. Like you said, check out the episode that's going to be coming up later this week. Um, just just happy to be back. Happy to be on the mic talking our Kansas City Chiefs and be over the Super Bowl like we talked about. It was it was rough. I was depressed, genuinely depressed. I've never felt that way about sports in my life. To be past that, have hope, looking forward, the fact that we fixed the issue that got us in that position. It's just it's a great time. I don't think I've been this excited for a Chiefs season in my life. And we've got the fire. We've got the hunger. We're hyped up. We're ready to go. And it's just time to take that trophy back. We need to get that Lombardi back in Kansas City. You know what I mean? Let's do it. I'm all for it. This has been the Nosebleed Seats, guys. I'm Jordan Anderson. With me, as always, my guy, Marcus Baker. We'll see you guys next week talking about that training camp stuff. Have a blessed week. To the Chiefs' kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!